Abba, Daddy. You know, that's what separates us from organized religion. It's the fact that we have a Father, Abba, Daddy God, that loves us not far off, but close and intimate. He desires to encounter us and for us to encounter Him, to live in in communion, in relationship with Him, not uh, distant, just a form without power or without religion, but to know the living God. That's His desire for us, and that's my desire for us today today. you know, over the past few weeks, we've been been talking about stewardship and stewarding our our lives. And um, as I was studying this week, the Lord led me to to First Chronicles twenty nine, and I'm going to read this, and then we're probably going to change gears just a little bit. Um, Man, he is so real and he wants to do he wants to be that to you today. Daddy God, Father God is so real, he's so intimate, he's so personal, and he wants to be that with you today. Does that make sense? He he doesn't want you to come and just do a, a religious act. He wants to know you intimately and for you to know him intimately. That's Jesus his Passion, his desire was not to do things on the earth. It was to manifest his father in the earth that he had created, that had fallen because of sin. Jesus said in John 5, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. So Jesus was in intimate relationship with the father. We see throughout the New Testament that he would minister to people. And if you you want to know the power behind Jesus, it wasn't just that he was the son of God. It was the intimacy he had with his father. Throughout scriptures, you see it, especially in Luke, you see Jesus, he'll minister. And you know what he does? He goes apart to pray. He goes apart to just spend time with Abba. I, uh, I told you that ministered to me so much when I was there in Israel and uh, when I had the opportunity to go to Israel. And we were standing in the lobby and this little boy, uh, he was cute. He had shorts on and a little coat and a little tie. He was cute as could be, about, about yay big. He come running through the lobby, Abba, 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 and jumped up in his dad's arms. <laughs> and I was just, I was in a moment just watching going, man, that's what you desire, dad. That's what you desire, that it wouldn't be this thing that's sterile that we've made it, but it would be an intimate interaction, us and you, exchanging love and understanding that we're loved. So, I, uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through 17. This is David. It's at the end of David's reign. He's getting ready to, to turn his, uh, the kingdom over to Solomon, his son. David had desired to build a temple for, for God. And, uh, And the Lord said, no, you've been a man of war. You've got blood on your hands, but your son Solomon, he'll build my temple. So David gave an offering. David gave into the millions out of his own stash, if you will, his income. He gave into the millions to the kingdom. And then he opened it up to his people and said, you can give. You should give as well. And then they gave. And there was money on top of money on top of money to build this temple that was into the billions you have a problem with church, 
to spend money. This temple was in the billions in today's economy because everything was gold and silver. <laughs> anyway, it's not about the money. It's about the heart of David. And you understand his heart right here in this prayer. David declares this, Then therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Okay, t- teachable moment. David blessed the Lord. David didn't just stand around going, Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. Bless you. You know why? I'm not saying this critical, but you know why that can be your blessing the Lord is because there's no intimacy there to, to what David went into here. To bless the Lord is not declare B-L-E-S-S. To bless the Lord is to declare who he is to you. That blesses the Lord. You know, when Brianna does something on Father's Day or something like that and just talks about how much she loves me, that blesses me. Are you with me? She doesn't just write a, a little thing on Facebook, bless you, Dad. Bless you, bless you, bless you, Dad. You're a good dad. Bless you, Dad. Bless you. She doesn't do that. And don't do that. <laughs> Maybe a private message to everybody in the church, but no one on Facebook would get it. David declares this in verse 10. Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. So how does he address him? Father. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you're exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Verse 13. Now, therefore, O God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as, as this? For all things come from you and, are, or, and of your own we have given them. Let me say that again. I butchered it. For all things come from you. And of your own, we have given you. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. (laughs) Boy, that's a different offering. He didn't say, I manipulated the people and said, if you don't give, you're going to be cursed. I didn't tell the people, if you'll sow this amount of money, then you'll get this kind of reward. He said, no, God, we acknowledge first and foremost, everything that was given, you gave to us first. What is that? Stewardship. What he was saying is, God, I acknowledge I don't own it. No matter how much it was, everything I've given, I've given because of what you've given to me. That's so good. David acknowledged, he said, everything we have, this stuff that we gave, it was we gave it willingly because we know who you are. David gave extravagantly, but what he gave out of was his abundance that God had blessed him with. And so 
that's a relative thing when we're giving to the Lord, not even financially. I'm not even going to park there. I just want to mention it because the David is praying and he's talking about this money that was taken up that, that he gave and the people gave, but the way that they gave was willingly. They didn't give because somebody had manipulated them or twisted them. That's what Paul talks about in Corinthians, that we shouldn't do it that way, but we should do it of a heart that's grateful to God. How did David start out? You are our father. Everything we have is from you. Man, if you know you're the steward of a, a billionaire, right? You're the steward of a billionaire, and he sends you out to do something. You're not going to be stressed over spending $10, $20, $100. If you know he's got money and he said, I've authorized you to go do this because it's going it's to further what I've got to do on the earth. You're not worried about, well, man, if I write this check for 100 I might run out. You know, you're not worried Why? Because you're a steward. He's the one who said, you go and do. You do this, you do this, you do this. And what I tell you to do, I'll provide for. David acknowledged that. He said, God, you said build this temple. (laughs) James chapter 1, you said that's Old Testament. James chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. It's in the New Testament near the end. If you get to the concordance, you've gone too far. Keep going past Revelation, you'll find it real quick. It's around Hebrews. It's not a coffee shop. James chapter 1, verse 16. Yes, it is a coffee shop at Bethel. It sure is. I'm not talking about the coffee shop right now. Verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of his creations. So what he says, don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. So if we brethren, that means we have, we're kin, right? Same dad. He even acknowledges that here. He says, for every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So we have the privilege here. Every good and perfect gift comes from, from above. We have the privilege to steward these bodies, this life for his honor and his glory. And that means everything that comes in and through this life is something that we get to steward for him. That's our jobs. That's our health. That's our home. That's our our wealth, everything that we have. If we see ourselves as a steward, here's what's so beautiful about stewardship. If we really see ourselves as a steward, then we don't have to worry about supply. We don't have, we we shouldn't be stupid. (laughs) I said it. Or ignorant, but we don't have to worry about supply because it's his and we're stewarding what he has. That's our life. If he, he says, go, if he says, go to the, to the Dominican and we go, how's it going to, I've seen two years in a row now, God supernaturally provide for people who said, man, I feel like God's telling me to go. And they went, I remember last, uh, two years ago, Abby's in this picture. When Abby went, she said, I really feel like I'm supposed to go. I don't know how we're going to do it financially, but I've prayed. My family's prayed. We feel like he's where I'm supposed to go. She was the first one fully funded. First one fully funded. Graduation present this year. Caitlin said, I, I just want to go back to the DR. Parents wrote a check for her to go. For graduation, she didn't go party. 
She's going to DR to minister. That's pretty amazing. Landon. Landon said, man, I feel like I'm supposed to go. I don't know how, but I feel like I'm supposed to go in school full time. Lord provided. Not just enough, but more than enough. It's who he is. You know why? Because he's, he's the owner. We're the stewards, even of our lives, right? If we'll be willing to do what he's told us to do, he said, I'll, if you'll give out, I'll give you more. Every area, every area, that's forgiveness. That's love. That's every area. It's not, we get so narrow-minded and we, we try to tie it just to finances, just to a, a dollar signal and God, dollar sign. And God said, no, I said, if you'll steward your life for me, I'll give you abundance in your life. So if you feel like you're in a place of lack, look at your stewardship. I say that in love. I say that as in experience. If there's areas in my, in my life when I feel lack, I go, God, how am I stewarding this area? Obviously, I haven't been given out to make room for more to be given in. And here's what we'll think. Many times we'll think, well, until I get it all figured out, I can't do it. So I can't give it out until I have it figured out. You'll never give out anything. You'll, you'll never save enough money to be able to afford a kid. It never happened. I don't care what budget you have or how good you plan. You won't ever be able to afford a kid because they're expensive. And just when you think you got them figured out, the price goes up. <laughs> then you get grandkids. I'm having a, a granddaughter coming along. That's a great place to segue in and throw that in there. <laughs> very, very excited about that. That's what I was wanting, a little girl that I could hug and squeeze like I did mine. Sorry, sorry, I'm back, I'm back. Squirrel. But we... When we steward and we realize, God, it's yours. You're the owner of it all, of me, everything I have. And see, that's not because God is so possessive. It's because he's jealous over us because he loves us so much. He wants us to have more than we can comprehend or think or even ask. It's what Ephesians 3 says. That's who he is. He's not trying to get us to do stuff because he's trying to hold stuff back from us. He wants us to step out so that we can step into all that he has for us. But we can't stay where we are and inherit what he has for us. That's every area. Psalms 47. And so in stewarding this, it's so amazing. The Lord is good. In stewarding this and, and talking today, and it's just going to be an introduction, in stewarding our bodies, the thing the Lord's just been stir, stirring in me is we say, God, we worship you, but... It, you know, we're demonstrative in a lot of stuff, but sometimes in worship, we're very reserved. Now, and worship, I'm talking about in context of in a corporate setting of singing unto the Lord. Now, worship is not singing unto the Lord. It, it contains it, but worship is a lifestyle that says, God, here's my body surrendered to you. That's our reasonable service, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's our body. It's a life yielded to him. That's true worship. When I offer it all to him, not a portion or a segment. But in the context of worship, I've noticed as I look through the scripture, worship is demonstrative. It's not quiet. And as I was looking at this, I was looking at uh, Psalms 46. Melanie read some from Psalm 46 this morning. And I, I, I was reading. Wow. Time flies when I'm having fun. Psalms 46. Mel read a little bit of this. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help. You were at 47, it's right there. You can't miss it. Take a left if your page has to turn. 
God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah, which means meditate on these things. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. His, he uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. So what did he say? He said, everything around you could be crumbling, but there is a place you can be. The, the word of God in the New Testament says that Paul said, what, don't you know that your body is the temple of the living God? This body is his temple. He said here, we have courage in knowing, the psalmist said, that, that God, his ark is still in the temple and he's still on the throne. That was a temporary dwelling place for God. When they were here, there was the Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God. And they had that. And they said, as long as we know the temple is here and God that you're in it, everything's going to be all right. And it was a physical building that could be uh, overtaken as it was more than once. Are you with me? But they knew when God's presence was with them that they were conquerors no matter what. And he said... I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So matter of fact, I'm going to make my home through the Holy Spirit in your spirit. I'll live with you and you'll be a temple. So everywhere you go. So if we just had this mentality of Psalms 46, that where where the temple of the Lord is, there's victory always. It doesn't matter what's going on in the conventions. He's still on the throne. Does that mean we're just silent and do nothing? Absolutely not. We vote righteousness. We don't vote economics. We vote righteousness. We're not voting for uh, a pastor. We're voting for a president. Not one that supports homosexuality, which brings death to people. I love the homosexual community. But they are deceived and in death. And if we just love them into death, we don't really love them. And if I vote for someone that supports that agenda, what I'm saying is it's okay for me to send people to hell. And that's not just the homosexual community. That's sin. That's debauchery. That's anything that's, that's contrary to the truth of the word of God. If I ever vote contrary to the word of God, no matter what the issue is because of economics or anything else, I'm in rebellion and sin toward God. Bottom line. But no matter what goes on, no matter what happens, he's still on the throne. He's alive and he lives in me. So I will be victorious and I will conquer no matter what. I'm not telling you a pipe dream. I'm telling you the truth of the gospel that I know in my life to be true. It's who he is. No matter if the mountains uh, crumble and fall into the sea, he's still God and he's taking care of me. Psalms 47 says, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. And we're in service and we're worshiping. Somebody shouts and people go, oh, Jesus. (laughs) I think my toenails just went through my shoes. I just felt something. I don't think it was the Holy Ghost. He said, oh, clap your hands, all you people. 
shout to God with the voice of triumph. You know what's so amazing? As I was looking at this, and uh, as I was looking at this, the word shout, it, here's what it means. It's ruah. You know, the, none of the Marines do that. Ruah. Hoorah. Okay. They got it backwards. Bless their heart. They got it backwards. It means this. Listen. Shout means this, to split the ears with sound, to shout, to blow an alarm, to cry aloud, to destroy, to make a joyful noise, to sound an alarm, to triumph. Well, how can it be to destroy and also make a joyful noise? Hmm. Is there anything in the Bible about a shout bringing destruction that brought a joyful noise? I believe it was some dude named Joshua and some chitrons of Israel marching around quietly. And then the Lord said, shout with a voice of triumph. And when they shouted, the walls fell. Come on. The wall, does that make sense to your natural mind? Do you think it took faith for them to steward the word of the Lord in their physical bodies to walk around a wall six days saying nothing and on the seventh day to shout with a voice of triumph? Not to draw their bows or throw their spears at the wall, but to shout with a voice of triumph. That makes absolutely no sense to the natural mind. But they said, you know what? We're going to steward the word that God has given us because he can't lie. They didn't even know what it was going to look like. Sometimes God will give you a word and tell you to step out in obedience and he don't tell you what it's going to look like. And we will never know until we step because it's on the other side of obedience. See, here's the thing with stewardship. It's all about a choice. Relationship with Jesus Christ is all about a choice. He doesn't make anyone get born again, nor does he send anyone to hell. What? You're one of those universalists that believe everybody's going to heaven? No, God doesn't send anybody. There's people who go to hell, but they go willingly. They go by rejecting Jesus Christ because Jesus loved them so much, he spread his arms out and died. He made a way where there was no way that not one soul, one person has to go to hell. To go to hell, they have to reject the free gift of Jesus Christ. He doesn't send anyone to hell. He didn't even create the place for them. But people go there. And it's our responsibility to steward our life, to stop as many as possible, to tell them of this love that's greater than anything life has to offer. It's abundant life here and eternal life with him forever. Shout, split the ears with sound, to destroy, to make a joyful noise. All right, to God with a voice. You know what the word voice means? It means to call aloud a voice or a sound. You think he's trying to get us to get something? Well, in the mouth of two or three, let every word be established. In the mouth of two or three words in one sentence, let me establish something. The word triumph means this. It means this, a, sa- a creaking, a shrill sound, a shout of joy, a cry, a proclamation, shouting of triumph. What are you saying? 
What I'm saying in this one verse, he said this, clap your hands, all you peoples, shout to God with a voice of a shout of shouting triumph. (laughs) You think he's trying to get us to do something? Open our mouth and use it. We'll shout at everything else. We'll shout at drivers who don't drive well. (laughs) We'll shout at the opposing team and shout for our team. We'll shout for all types of things. We we do not have a problem shouting. But where is the shout directed? What is the heart behind it? And who's the recipient of the shout? He's worthy. So it's... um, I have much more to say, but I just really... I'm, I'm so... Stirred right now with what I've seen the Lord do in just a few short days. I have to share some testimonies. Uh, Revelation 19.10 says this. The last part of the verse, I'll read verse 10. It says, I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, see that you do not do that. This is John talking to the angel. For I'm a fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus Worship God, he says with a proclamation, with an exclamation point. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So what does that mean? He said the testimony of Jesus is what? Spirit of prophecy. So when we testify of who Jesus is, it prophesies that he'll do it again. Amen? Dad, come down. I just want to praise the Lord for my son, my pastor, for what he stands for. And that ain't what he told me he was going to say. <laughs> but I do, thank him. He is my son. I love him very much. I love him, proud of him. But I just want to praise Jesus for what he done in my shoulder. And because they said there's going to be some extensive work in there that and I could be out of work for months. And uh, But uh, my son and my wife have been praying pretty much the same thing. They didn't know it, but been pretty much praying the same thing that if it wouldn't be much to it that I'd be back to work in less time than they thought. And it said that I may possibly lose my job because I'm the only one that does my job and he's got to have someone to do it. But uh, and, but I'm believing that I'm going to still have my job because he don't want me to leave. He, he knows I do a good job and Amen. I'm trustworthy and, and uh, he's a good man to work for. But anyway, what I was getting to, Todd prayed for me before I went in the surgery. And like I said, my wife's been praying pretty much the same thing. That the surgery would be very minimal. Minimum. Minimum. And the pain would be very minimal. And the surgery went well. It wasn't near what they thought it was. And they gave me pain pills. And I took a couple of them, and they made me more loopier than what I already <laughs> am. <laughs> So I said, I wasn't going to take anything anymore. And, uh, so the, he called me from the hospital and, and wanted to know how I was doing, how the pain pills were doing. I told him they made me sick and made me loopy in the head and I wasn't taking them no more. I said, uh, I'm taking time now. And I said, I don't really think I need them, but I've been taking them. But you wouldn't believe I have had absolutely no pain in my shoulder. Come on. I believe. Amen. It's just, just because of Jesus. Amen. The prayers just went up for me. Amen. Well, so we went. 
He said, you might have to fill in some things, so I will. We went to the doctor, and the doctor took an MRI, and he said, yeah, that this rotator cuff was pretty much shot, that it's going to have to be reattached. And he said, you'll be in a sling for six weeks, and then therapy will start, and it'll be at least six weeks. Uh, so three months out, a minimum, before he could even think about looking at job. And in his job, he has lifting, so he said it's probably going to be longer than that. And uh, so we were there the morning of his surgery, and I was just stirred up. I said, Jesus, I know who you are. I'm not just going to sit back and just go, okay. I thank God for doctors. I'm not anti-doctor, okay? Do you hear me? But I know the great physician. So I just went up. I said, Dad, I'm going to pray. I put my hand on his shoulder, and I just said, I didn't pray. That wasn't even a true statement. I spoke to his shoulder. Because we have authority in the name of Jesus. I just, I, I just declared. I said, God, I thank you for doctors and what they're able to do. But I know what the MRI said, but I know that you're able to go in there and do a work. That where all they do is go in, look, and clean some stuff up, and they come out. So they, it was about an hour and a half late going into surgery. And uh, when they finally went in around lunchtime, Mom and I and Tina went down to the cafeteria and ate. We'll leave that alone. And... Uh, we, we came back up, and we hadn't uh, been sitting there long, and um, the pager went off. And I thought, he's been in surgery about an hour, so the doctor's probably going to get, you know, they'll come out. when They said the surgery would be about three hours. They'll normally come out about halfway through, buzz you and let you know everything's going okay, that, and then you just go sit back down. So I walked over by myself, and they said, well, the doctor's ready to talk to you. So I looked at them, and I said, come on. <laughs> So they came over, we went back, Dr. Miller went in, and he, he, he came in, and we were sitting there, and he said, well, we went in, and it wasn't torn up. All we had to do, he had some bone spurs, we cleaned that up, and everything's good. He said, he'll be good, he'll need to have that brace on maybe five days, uh, four or five days till he comes to see me, and he'll be able to take it off. And he was supposed to be in that six weeks. Come on, somebody. And I know people who've had surgery on their shoulder and they talk about the pain and how the pain, once the block's gone and once the, the meds can't get in front of it, they can't do it. It's just pain, pain, pain. I know people personally who've walked through that and he's had no pain. Jesus. So another testimony. Yesterday, uh, I, my dad and I did some running, did some things and I went to pick something up. Now I lift heavy stuff in the gym. I'm not saying that, that sounded wrong. <laughs> I'll flip a tractor tire in the gym in training. Do you understand? A big tire like this big. I'll grab it and flip it and the guy will flip it back and I'll flip it and we'll flip those tires. I went to pick up a tire yesterday and when I grabbed it like this, everything was, my train, the guy I trained with had been so happy because I squatted. It, I didn't bend over like most people do and hurt their back. I squatted and when I grabbed a tire, I went to stand up and this elbow right here said, Pop, pop, pop. And when it did, it went numb. I dropped the tire, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going, not good, not good, not good. And it's just shooting pain, throbbing down my arm. And I'm like, yeah, that was three tendons that just popped probably. And I couldn't, I couldn't hardly move my arm. If I made a fist, it hurt. It felt like somebody had an ice pick right here. If I bent my elbow up, it felt like somebody put an ice pick right here. Last night, my wife lathered me up with deep blue on my elbow and we put this hot thing on there helps it get in and, and it would give some relief and i just started praying i said god i know your word i saw what you did with that you know what i did 
I meditated on his word. I knew who my father was, and I meditated on the testimony. I said, God, you'll do it again. You'll do it again. Katie saw me yesterday. She'll tell you, I'd pick my hand up like this. I'd just go to raise my hand. I'd go. I'd get weak in my knees. That's how bad it hurt, just moving my arm. I, I slept last night. If I rolled over on my arm, it woke me up. I slept. I got up this morning. I said, God, you're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. And I think it's Numbers 23. You're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. This morning, I couldn't hold my iPad to do my devotion. I couldn't hold my iPad like this. I would have to do this. And I couldn't reach up and touch the screen because to bend my wrist this way and to bend my... felt like somebody was jabbing a knife in it. You know what I did? I got mad at God. No, I didn't. (laughs) I have in the past. But I went, Jesus, you know what? It's better this morning than it was last night. I thank you for 10%. I began to worship. I thank you for 10%. I got through my devotions, made my coffee... Nectar from heaven. (laughs) And I went up into my prayer closet. And I just put my hands in the air and I began to declare. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. I began to acknowledge who he was. I couldn't do this. If I did that, it felt like somebody jabbed me with a knife right here in this joint. I'm not exaggerating. I can't describe to you the pain that I had for about 12 or 13 hours, just moving. And I'm thinking this. Here's, let me just tell you, I sound super spiritual right now, but let me tell you what was going on in my mind because that's how the devil works. He, this is his playground if you give it to him. Is this, you need surgery and you got to get on a plane in less than 48 hours. And you're going to go to the DR and you're going to get down there and it's going to swell up. And you're going to be hurting so bad you can't think straight. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. You need surgery. I said, Jesus, you're beautiful. I began to worship him. And as I was worshiping him, I put my hand down and it didn't hurt. And I'm like, man, that's like 60% better. I can, I can move my arm. And I tell you right now, I'm not 100%. I'm like 90% right now. If I grabbed something heavy and picked it up, it would probably hurt. But this morning, I couldn't do this without pain. I couldn't do this without pain. I would reach for something. I would do this and pull it back to me because I couldn't move my arm. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not trying to fluff things up or make them more than what they are. I just want you to know who he is. I want you to know because all those things ran through my head. How are you going to preach? Well, you, I just lay my iPad up on the stage and just put my hand in my pocket if I have to. I had it worked out in my head. But I began to worship the Lord. I said, God, you're able. This is not just are you able. You've already provided it. Now, I don't understand it. I don't know how it'll it'll make sense. I I don't know. I don't have an x-ray to prove what happened. But I do know this. It went pop, 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 and it hurt all the way into my wrist. If I bent my wrist, I I felt it all the way up in here, and it hurt. I know that when I woke up this morning, I couldn't hold a cup of water. I couldn't hold my iPad. I couldn't even straighten my arm out like this. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do this without excruciating pain. I couldn't do it. It's who he is. And it wasn't that, well, God, once I get uh, through this and there's other things I'm believing God for in my life right now, and the enemy would say, well, you don't even have that. I said, it don't matter. This is what I know. 
And this is what I won't stand for because I know who you are, God. And I'm here to tell you that I can turn my wrist. I can hold my iPad straight out in front of me that I could not do this morning. I couldn't do this. I couldn't turn it anywhere. Because he said, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. So I was clapping my hands. I was shouting to the Lord this morning. In my prayer room, I have a wall of scripture that I'll read through and I'll declare who he is. And I set my eyes on him. And as I was worshiping him, I wasn't begging for healing. I wasn't asking for healing. I had declared, God, you've already paid for my healing. I saw Jesus picking up the cross and his arms going pop, pop, pop. Because he couldn't carry it and they had to get somebody to carry it for him. I said, Jesus, whether it was a dislocation, whether it was a tendon, whatever it was, I don't know. I don't know why it happened because I I had good technique. I had good technique and it was lighter than stuff I've lifted before made no sense to me at all other than it's an attack of the enemy I wasn't doing anything foolish. It was just an attack of the enemy and i'm going My mind ran the gamut that everybody's mind will run if you let it He's alive He's the same yesterday today and forever And I was thinking, God, we do communion. And as we do communion, I proclaim that by your stripes, I am healed. That you bore sickness and disease in your body, so I don't have to. In my mind, I'm thinking, how am I going to do that? I can't even pick the cracker up and put it in my mouth. But you are still God. You are still healer. And you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as I was meditating on that and sitting in my my, uh, prayer closet, my my war room. One of my scriptures is this one right here. Psalms 103, one through five. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things. Listen. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's our covenant blessing. That's ours. When we take communion, we can declare Psalms 103 over us. Let me give you a little bit more background. The guys are getting ready to come down for communion. We're going to receive communion. I was uh, at my mom's shop Friday getting my hair did. Getting prettied up from a trip. Getting skin up. And there was someone in there uh, I've known for a very long time. And uh, they're all about a negative confession. I'll let them remain anonymous to protect the guilty. But they're just negative. And they were, uh, mom was talking about a nurse and, uh, who had said she probably had a son or a, a daughter my age. And the woman wasn't much older than me. And this lady said, yeah, you look good. You look young. But when you get old, it's going to be bad. I said, no, it's not. Well, you better not say that because it'll happen. I said, no, it won't. I said, this where I said, my youth is renewed like the eagles. I said, I'm going from strength to strength. My, my youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm not getting old and worn out. I'm getting older and wiser and stronger. Well, you better not say that. Every time you do, something happens. And you think the devil didn't play that in my mind. Yesterday when I picked up that tire and it went pop, pop, pop. But I said, you know what? 
I'm not siding with that confession. I know what your word says. You're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's who you are. I said, my youth is renewed like the eagles. That's what his word says. That's who he says we are. Now, we, remember I told you, how's this got to do with anything? It's all about choice. I had a choice what I was going to do. We have a choice how we're going to steward our mouths, how we're going to steward our money, how we're going to steward our mood. We have a choice. And what we, the choices we make determine how we steward what God's given us. That's in every area. I had a choice this morning when I was in pain that I could steward what I knew was mine through the finished work of Jesus or I could wallow in what I felt in my body. And I said, no, I make a choice to believe the word of God to be true. And I began to speak to my body and I began to worship the Lord because of who he is. And when I read this, he said, that's the scripture I want you to share for communion. So I'm gonna ask you guys if you'll come. If you're new to us, Here's uh, to receive the communion. The only prerequisite is to be born again because it's the communion of the Lord of his death, burial, and resurrection. So if, if you've never been born again, we're going to give you an opportunity to take care of that right now. Let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Jesus, we acknowledge that you are Savior and Lord, that you are good, altogether lovely, that there's none like you. And you said, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, when we acknowledge that your Savior, that we were sinners born again by believing that you died for our sin. You were resurrected the third day and that right now you seated, seated in heaven, make an intercession for us. God, when we confess you as Lord and Savior in our life, you said we can be born again. It's not a magic prayer. It's a belief. It's a belief that I and myself am not perfect, but that Jesus, that you are. And that I and myself can't get to heaven, but you came from heaven to take me there. And then when I trust you as the savior of my life, I can be born again. If I confess Jesus is Lord and ask him to forgive me of my sin, the word of God says, I will be born again. So God, we thank you for that opportunity. Now, if there's one in this room that's never done that, that's never confessed, that they're lost and separated from you, they've never entered into, into relationship with you. And today they say, God, I acknowledge that, the, that my life is separate from you. And I ask you to forgive me of sin and to come into my heart and to save me, that they can be born again right here, right now. So God, I thank you for that, that gift. Even as we saw in your word, every good and every perfect gift comes from our Father. It comes from above. So God, salvation is the greatest gift. Thank you for healing, but it's nothing compared to salvation. Healing is temporal in the fact that it can last until you come. But then when we die, we will lay this body down. As Hebrews says, it's appointed unto every man wants to die. Every woman wants to die. And after that, judgment. Thank you, Jesus, that you bore judgment for sin for me. I'll never stand in judgment of sin because you stood for me. Thank you. And that, that invitation is for any who would confess Jesus as their Lord and say, God, I acknowledge my need of a Savior. I'm not perfect, and I need one who is. Come into my heart and save me. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, I want to tell you, on the authority of God's word, Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, that's the beginning, not the end.
it's the beginning. It's the beginning of a journey of a lifestyle of intimacy and living in relationship with God, of getting to know Him and Him uh, showing you who He is and, and you stewarding your life for Him. So if you'll stand, we're going to receive communion. And the way we do it here is a little different. It's done differently in a lot of